Welcome to No Ad, No Problem, a podcast devoted to college tennis and growing the game. Check us out on Twitter at JTweetsTennis and Instagram at No Ad, No Problem. I'm your host, John. Let's serve it up. Hey everyone, joining me on today's show is rising Oregon senior Quinn Van de Castile. After playing number two for the Ducks, Quinn has had a breakout summer on the Pro Tour. He's gone 26-5 and on the ITF Pro Circuit this summer, making two 15K finals before claiming his first pro title at the 25K in Edwardsville, Illinois. His success didn't go unnoticed, as the USTA recently awarding him a qualifying wildcard into the US Open. Quinn, congrats on a great summer, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, and uh, thanks for, for having me on your show. So I think the place we have to start is the U.S. Open, and we're talking just a few days after you made your Grand Slam debut there. How was that experience for you? Uh, yeah, it was an amazing experience. I mean, I've only uh, been to the U.S. Open once a few years ago just to watch, and so it's uh, it was amazing just to see, you know, not only just be there as a fan, but also, you know, see the the background scene with all the the player amenities and just everything like that. It was uh, an incredible experience for me to uh, to do for for the first time and uh, and a bit out of nowhere as well. <laughs> yeah. So, was there anything you mentioned you've been there as a fan? But was there anything that you experienced as a player that you feel like fans might not know happens behind the scenes? Uh, just like the overall organization of it. I mean, you know, you would, you would expect it to be organized, obviously, you know, being the U S open, but, but even that still just like blew the expectations out of the water just with the, with, you know, the player lounge and the player cafes and everything like that. And it's just, you know, it's still pretty amazing to see just all the players walking around from, you know, world number one with like Carlos, just, you know, casually, just being around, I think it's uh, just an awesome experience to uh, to get to do from from watching tennis from when I was young. Yeah, and you mentioned that it was a little bit of a surprise. Talk me through the application process for the wild card being selected off the alternate list. How did that all go down? Yeah, um, I knew I knew I, you know, I was in contention for it after I qualified and, and carried challenger, and so. I applied right after then. Uh, once the list came out originally, you know, I wasn't, wasn't receiving the wild card. wasn't on the like the first alternate, so you know, it was kind of like, okay, well, it's a bit of a bummer, but you know, it is what it is. And so I, uh, and so as as the day went on, it was the same day actually that then I got a call from from the OTA just just informing me with at that point already. I think Brandon Holt had moved in and. Uh, and someone declined the wild card. So then that shifted two people up already, which put me as the first alternate. So then it was, you know, just a little bit of like a little bit of hope again, that maybe I will be getting this. And, uh, and then the following day is when Zach's uh, slide and moved in automatically. And, uh, and so I was for sure going to receive it, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was just, you know, a lot, a lot in two day span and also just about three days before, before the qualifying started. So, uh, it was just, you know, a bit, a bit, uh, a bit like surprising, I guess, just because, you know, I, was, I saw the, the, the initial wildcards and was thinking, oh, yeah, uh, not this year. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the emotions were going up and down, right? That initial list gets released and ah, didn't make the cut. But then all of a sudden, it felt pretty quick. It was like people were moving in and out. And all of a sudden, you you got that call. Where, where were you based at that time? And how quickly did you hop on a plane? 
Yeah, I was actually uh, I was in I was in California in Berkeley area, just getting some practice in there uh, with the with the Cal Berkeley team actually. Um, just because I finished playing Stanford, so I stuck around there for a few days. And uh, and yeah, I got I you know when I got the call that I was the first alternate, they were pretty confident I would be getting in. So I did already book a flight at that point, but that was for you know just over twenty four hours later. So so once I got the official yes, you know the next morning was up at 5 a.m. to get on a 7 a.m. flight out to New York. So, you know, it was obviously it's uh, it's a little bit a little bit uh, tough to prepare that way, you know, just three days and and heading over to New York. And then that's just such a, you know, energetic and crazy place that uh, it was just all very quick happening. <laughs> yeah, it probably feels a little bit like a blur, but it's also a high class problem, right? To get the call yeah. that you <laughs> have a wild card. So let's go back a little bit. Let's chat about, um, you know, you're originally from Utah growing up there. I'm curious how you first got involved with tennis. Yeah. Um, uh, both of my parents played tennis is how, uh, both from, from Croatia and Belgium, they, they came to the U S and both played college tennis actually, uh, at UIU. And so that was, uh, you know, they were already playing and then, and then my dad taught tennis briefly. And then my mom for probably, 10 years or 10 to 15 years after college was still continuing to teach tennis. And so just, you know, I was kind of born into it. My mom was always teaching when I was, when I was about like two years old, you know, I'd just run around the court with a racket anyways. So I guess, you know, people ask, when did I start playing tennis? Like, I don't know, like it doesn't really have a day. I just kind of was always playing tennis. <laughs> yeah. Particularly both your parents played, your mom sounds like she was still teaching. You're always out on the tennis courts. Was your mom your primary coach growing up? Uh, mostly my dad. My mom okay. would still coach me, you know, would feed balls, would do all of that. But uh, but my dad took over that responsibility a bit more, despite it, you know, she, he wasn't teaching or anything, just working a normal job. He would still come out with us in the, in the afternoons, evenings, and, and weekends always. So he was primarily my coach. And in looking back at your high school career, I was looking back at tennis recruiting and starting out in high school, you were not a top player in your high school class. I was looking back at your freshman year, you were outside the top 150 in your freshman class. But by the time you graduated, you were up to number 25. What do you attribute that rise to within your high school years? Um, I just think just overall, my dedication changed a lot at that point. Up up until then, you know, it was kind of just like I played tennis. I wasn't, you know, a lot of a lot of the uh, best juniors, you know, they're, they're homeschooled. I was always in regular school through my entire, you know, education up until now still. Um, so never online school or anything like that. So I was just kind of playing tennis. It's just what I did. Um, but starting just before high school is when, you know, I started to take it a bit more seriously and, and more, more dedicated towards it. And so I rose pretty quickly because of that. Um, and as well with like with tennis recruiting, I, was, I, uh, I graduated, I didn't graduate early, but I started school like all the way, way back with, uh, kindergarten early. So I was one year behind. So like originally on tennis recruiting, it had me as like, the class of a year later. And so all of that, I was, uh, I was starting a little bit behind just being a bit younger and everything. So just, just age wise and more dedication that it was a pretty fast progression. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Particularly as you're growing, getting bigger, stronger, I'm sure in parallel with the dedication that probably helped you uh, rise up the ranks, uh, in your high school years. 
when you were looking for a college, looking to play college tennis, what were some of the criteria you were using to evaluate the schools that you were looking at? Um, one of the main things was just was coaches for me. Um, it was it was really important just to have coaches that I would, I would get along with well, um, that would work well with me. You know, some people prefer very intense, hands-on, hardworking, you know, uh, coaches. And and for me, I was I was looking for somebody that would obviously push me and would would do a great job and really cared about the program. But I, I also do like having a little bit of of freedom to do to do my own thing and and uh, and I'm able to motivate myself a good amount. So I, I didn't want anything to be, you know, forcing me to not really want to be playing and stuff. Uh, so that was the main thing. And then just overall location and school school atmosphere. Um, but also a big one was was playing relatively high in the lineup when I would uh, join in college. Uh, you know, I thought. The idea of you know going to a top program and competing for the number six spot, I, I I thought that I wouldn't benefit from that as much as I would if I were to able if I were able to play you know, at least top four for my first year. Yeah. And your brother also plays for the Oregon team. How much was that a factor in your school search? Yeah, it was for sure a big factor. Just just kicking it off as well. I mean, Oregon, so many we've got so many foreigners on our team. It's not a very uh, american based team and so it was just great for the introduction he was already committed to going there i'm only one grade behind him uh but two years in age so he was just committed there so it was just perfect introduction and then obviously the uh, comfortability of of going to the same program as him it makes it a a little bit easier than you know traveling traveling away and uh starting completely fresh yeah absolutely and so when you entered your freshman year, you talked about wanting to play relatively high up in the lineup. You start there as a freshman at the number three spot. Was there anything beyond playing high in the lineup that you wanted to achieve more broadly in your college career when you were looking ahead okay, at four years at Oregon? What were some of the milestones or goals you were looking to tick off? Um, yeah, for sure. Just wanted to be all American at some point, just because, you know, Oregon program has been growing more and more, uh, but I believe it's only like four All-American players have, have been in the men's program. So I thought that would be a, a pretty cool achievement to have, uh, to you know, be one of the few who've done that. That was one of the main ones. So then, you know, LinkedIn with that would be like playing NCAA tournament and all that was was on the goals. Everything was a bit a bit shifted as well. That was, you know, the first year after the, the COVID year canceled. So it was also just like, at that point, just getting back into matches, hadn't played a match in over in over a year when I started my college career. So, so it was a little bit more, you know, short term focused at the very beginning. Yeah, there was so much uncertainty back when that happened. I know so many of the Pac-12 schools in that 2021 season had such an abbreviated season. It was tough to even know how long they were going to play. I-, I live near Stanford. They had no fans that year. It was just a weird year in general to be acclimating to college tennis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you talked about playing the NCAA tournament last year as a sophomore. Uh, you did play the NCAA doubles tournament with your partner, Josh Charlton, and that was the second team to do that in Oregon's history. So you talk about uh, accumulating some of these accolades within Oregon's tennis history. That is one of them. Uh, what was it about your game style that you felt worked so well? I know you'd partnered together for a few years now at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, we worked very well together. You know, he's also tall, 
lefty, so good lefty serve. So we would just serve pretty well together and uh, and play very you know doubles based doubles. A lot of a lot of teams sometimes you know get away from two back from the baseline a lot and. And we both like moving forward a lot, both at net and just being really solid up there and, and just having like a big reach that way. So we worked very well together uh, because of the similar game styles on the doubles court, uh, but also just, you know, getting along well off the court and, and uh, it always helps and makes it a lot, makes the team chemistry always a lot better and easier to, to play on the court. Yeah. So in your sophomore season in 2022, that's when you moved up to the number two spot where you've played the last few seasons. Did you notice a big change in level between your freshman at season at number three up to the number two spot? For sure. Yeah. I mean, especially because uh, the freshman year, you know, was a little bit shortened because of COVID. We didn't have the toughest schedule outside of Pac-12 schedule. Really, was was not a tough schedule. So. Uh, so that in combination with moving up to the number two spot, for sure, noticed the jump. I uh, I didn't play the best my second year there uh, with like I'm mean, maybe barely positive singles record or pretty equal. I don't quite remember. So definitely sixteen and fifteen, just yeah. above the five hundred mark. Exactly. So I knew it was a little bit a uh, little bit of a struggle that season, just the, with the tough schedule and, and and playing that many matches. So it was definitely an adjustment period there. Yeah. So I mentioned that 16 and 15 record, you improved upon that in your third year at Oregon, 14 and seven at the number two single spot. And Oregon season ended in late April in the Pac-12 championships. I'm curious to learn about what you did between the time of the season ending versus when you played your first ITF uh, pro event this summer. Yeah, just uh, we're just trying to get as much practice in as possible since we're on one quarters uh, here at Oregon that we went all the way up until second week of June. So was still in school. So wasn't able to start playing right away. Like I would have hoped. Uh, so it was just trying to get, you know, as many hits in as possible, as many workouts in, just, just training really hard that week while also, you know, trying to manage the, the last few weeks of school. So it was, it was just good prep and a little bit good uh, downtime as well from playing matches to really just kick off into the summer uh, where, I've, where I've nearly played every week. I wonder if you think it helped at all to maybe have some of that downtime. I hear some players when they talk about going straight from you know NCAA individuals into playing pro events. I mean, there's a level of exhaustion there after the team season ends. Do you think that that almost recovery or downtime helped at all? I do. I do. I think it's, you know, as, as players, when we're playing well and things are going well or, or just playing a lot, with the season being pretty much 12 months in a year, I mean, 11 months, it's uh, it's almost hard sometimes to to take breaks, and it takes almost more courage to take a little bit of time off when you're when you're playing well. So it was nice to have just you know forced in a little bit because I was busy with school and everything. That was forced to take some time off and, and sort of reflect on the season and my game and, and try to see what I can I can build you know in my game and physically in that time off. So I I do think it was very helpful to have that that period as as just a little bit of a calm before the storm type thing. Yeah. I'm not sure if you imagined it would be as big of a storm as it ended up being this summer. So you were no stranger to playing ITF pro events or playing pro events either in the summer or in the off season. When you looked at this summer in particular, 2023, did you have any set goals for the summer that you were looking to accomplish? Yeah, I was, uh, you know, no ranking, uh, obviously going into the summer, uh, so it was mainly just to get get a ranking on the board 
ideally, and I was going to play a lot of events and just slowly build it to hopefully be just, you know, hovering around top thousand was the main goal. So that way I play this last college season, hopefully develop a little bit more. And then I, uh, I would be kicking off done with college going pro. And at least I would have a base ranking to hopefully get into some main draw events of, uh, of, of ITF. So that was the, the initial goal. Uh, but obviously I hit that top thousand very quickly and then it just went straight up from there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, was there a moment this summer, particularly in maybe that first run to the 15K final, where you beat players that you were familiar with, right? Whether that was Ravelli of UCLA, who had just lost to a few months ago, USC Stefan Dostinich. Was there a moment where you felt like, wow, I'm I'm really playing well. This is uh this is clicking well for me this summer. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. After the first week, you know, I played well and I made quarters there, but wasn't little challenge too tough. Got a pretty good draw as well. So you know that was a little bit more in my wheelhouse of what I was expecting for the summer. And then second week for sure. I mean, yeah, I beat Ravelli, who who I struggled with game style and just lost to recently. And then first round, you know, I had to beat uh, the the defending champion who won last the week previous. So you know, that's obviously I knew I knew the level was there a bit after winning that match that I gained some confidence and then. Yeah, I mean, it was for sure. It was for sure amazing taking care of those matches and beating players, you know, like like Stefan, who I've lost to twice my freshman year uh, at Oregon. Uh, so, so yeah, at that, that moment, you know, I was, I was gaining just more and more confidence and, and just feeling more and more match tough. Yeah, so after the SoCal Pro Series where you make two 15K finals there, you travel to Edwardsville, Illinois, a... Um, an annual destination on the ITF pro calendar and you come through qualifying to take your first pro title. You only dropped one set. Uh, how was that experience? It also seemed like the conditions were pretty rough that week. Talk to me about that title run. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. You know, first impressions going in, you check, you know, you check the, the fact sheet and you see you're playing out of high school in Edwardsville, Illinois, and, and you're not expecting much, you know? Uh, and so, the way they run the tournament there and the organization and the amount of people that actually come out to support as well for a 25k was just an amazing event um and yeah very tough conditions i think two days you know play was suspended from about 12 30 until 6 30 p.m because uh because of the heat index and just the heat and humidity uh on court with you know it being over 108 degrees with with humidity uh so very tough conditions and just uh, a, a long week coming through qualities. But, you know, I sometimes after taking a couple of weeks off and, and having a little bit of time to practice again and let the body recover, you know, it was good to get the initial matches and qualities under my belt to, to, to feel a little bit more confidence again. And then, and then, yeah, I just took off from there and, and uh, just kept going one, one round at a time. And so it was, it was pretty amazing winning. Winning my first title at such a cool event with uh, with a lot of people there for the final as well. Yeah, it seems like they do a really good job uh, of engaging the local community, which is what you would hope in uh, in a town like Edwardsville. You've also had the chance this summer to sprinkle in some challenger events. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on how the level compares between those challenger events with the ITF events that you've played, as well as where the top collegiate players would fall in the in that level. Yeah, um, I think, you know, it's it's not as different as you would think uh, straight to the challengers. I mean, 
the, the biggest difference I noticed is there's no, you know, there's no easing into it or good draws to get potentially a couple easier rounds. It's, you know, you kick it off right away. First round of qualifying is about the same level you'd expect from a semifinal of, of a 15 or 25 K. So that was, that was the biggest thing was just, you know, you got, you got to start off right away, you know, playing, playing solid. Um, as far as top players go, you know, I, I think, Right there at the at the challenger level of, of making a few round main draw is for sure where the level is. I mean, I lost lost first round of of carry after qualifying uh, to you know Nicholas Pereira, who then went on to make the final. And I know Stefan, uh, you know, won a round there at carry after qualifying. So I for sure think the the top level college is right there at the challenger level. Uh, not quite the the pinnacle of challenger level, maybe where we're winning titles, but uh, but for sure there. Yeah, absolutely. And so in the last two months, you mentioned this, you've gone from not having an ATP ranking to now just outside the top 600. You've competed now in US Open qualifying. What lessons has this past summer taught you? Yeah, it's just uh, it's taught me just focusing one match at a time always. I mean, it's such a like, you know, one point at a time, all that such a cliche of tennis, but uh, it really is true to not look forward too much. I mean, you know, if I was looking forwards towards playing us open at the beginning of the summer i'm sure i wouldn't have had the results that i had and so now i think you know the most important thing for me to, to keep in mind is while i have had a, a very uh, upward trajectory and and you know could be setting my goals higher uh to not be expecting it too much and not to not be looking forward too much and just focus on the event i'm playing and, and just just enjoying every match you know not 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 really focusing too much on on how how the result goes or building my ranking, but just, just excited to play another match. Yeah. So speaking of more matches, you have your upcoming season with Oregon and this will be a big shift for you. Your coaches talked about you moving up to the top of the lineup. Certainly the results this summer have proven that, uh, is there anything that you're looking to accomplish both individually and as a team this year? For sure. I mean, it's a, it's been a little bit of a, a dry spell from us missing the tournament. Uh, the last two years just because of pretty tough schedules and a lot of like four, three losses. So obviously that's, you know, always top of the list for us is making sure we're making that tournament. And uh, if we do, wouldn't be surprised if we're for sure winning our first round. And, and, uh, and so that's obviously the team goal is always to be making the tournament and hopefully trying to make a run there. Um, and as far as individuals go, you know, last year in doubles was potentially on track for all American, but struggled towards the end of the season there. So Still would love to hit that All-American mark. And uh, as far as college rankings go and the new the new implementation of the wild cards into main draws of Challenger for for being ranked top 20 or whatever it is, uh, that would for sure be, be on, the, on the lookout for uh, for achieving that just because it would be such a, such a great boost going into playing pro. We'd be able to play main draw challengers right away. Yeah, uh, such a great program with the ATP Accelerator there and a great launching pad for players who are looking to either just play in the summer or to launch their pro career. So uh, I think those feel achievable based on the success this summer. I'm looking forward to following you more closely in the collegiate ranks. But before I let you go, uh, I have a few quick questions for you and then we'll end with a game. Yeah. All right. Uh, toughest opponent you've played in college? In college? Um... When I played, uh, when I played Cannon Kingsley at Ohio State, uh, you know, part of it just with the Ohio State fans and, and they're absolutely deadly at home. 
uh, combined with just, you know, him serving very well indoors. It was a, it was a tough outing for me. Yeah. Well, that's a double whammy. So (laughs) yeah, that's tough. Uh, okay. Best and worst thing about playing college tennis with your older brother. Um, best thing is just, you know, the moment of of him clinching four threes or me clinching four threes and, and celebrating, uh, with one another, uh, worst things would probably just the day in, day out, you know, occasional arguments continuing on from, uh, from when we were little. Uh, so that carrying on to court sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You think about just being a senior, how much arguments you developed from freshman year, let alone down from when you were two years old holding a racket. So I can imagine those find their way onto the practice courts quite often. Uh, Okay. What was your immediate reaction to Oregon leaving the PAC 12 and joining the big 10? I think it's really cool as far as the schedule and how, how many teams uh, that Oregon will get to play and, uh, and build ranking from it. However, uh, the travel will be absolutely brutal. So uh, we'll see how they manage that and, uh, and how that is for, for our schedule. Very true. All right. Last fast question here. I hear you are quite the artist. Uh, tell me about the locker room mural at Oregon. Yeah, um, it was uh, just a project. We had a ro- locker room redone and I uh, went to our coaches and presented them with an idea of what I could do. Uh, and so, yeah, just from doing art when I was younger and then majoring now in product design, it's still somewhat related. So, uh, yeah, they, they were they were all for it and just did it on an off weekend where we didn't have matches. Yeah, that's such a cool experience. I assume the plan will be to make use of that product design degree after you try your hand at a pro career. Is that right? Sure. Yeah. Pro careers for sure. It's coming first and prioritized, but, uh, but nonetheless, I've always enjoyed design and would hopefully relate it to sports as well. Oh yeah. That'd be great. All right. We'll end with the game here. And what we're going to do here is build our, uh, the best college tennis player we can. So we're going to choose from players who competed in the 2023 season, uh, yourself included, and we're going to choose five things for, um, one player each. All right, so we'll start with serve. Whose serve are you taking from the 2023 college tennis season? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not the most up to date on all college players and stuff. Probably uh, probably Chris Rodish at Virginia. You know, I've seen him play a little bit at NCAAs and stuff. I feel like he's got a, a pretty big serve on him, so potentially there. Okay, we'll go with Chris. All right, uh, forehand. Um, That's a off the top of my head, I mean, I'd want to take my own forehand when it's on. Uh, however, it's not always on. So, uh, but I guess I'll just go with myself uh, off the top of my head. Yeah, I was going to nominate you there as a, <laughs> a slot you in there. All right. So we've got your forehand. How about backhand? Backhand. When I played uh, Nishesh from Stanford, solid in the backhand corner. So that, that first comes to my mind of, of just uh, choosing him. Yeah, that's a great choice. Okay, how about net game? Um, net game, I'll potentially take my my doubles partner, Joshua Charlton. Just uh, extremely long arms, great feel, and just great court coverage. It's always very hard to get the ball past him and uh, has great percentages at the net always. Yep. All right, last, how about movement? Movement. Uh, once again, I'll, I'll go back to, to Oregon, maybe too much bias here, but my brother, I mean, uh, just, you know, maybe also when I play him, he, you know, he's played our whole life, he knows where I'm going, but 
gets to every ball and uh, and wins so many points in matches, just scraping out three overhead gets. So uh, I think uh, I think that's how he wins a lot of matches. So I'll take his number. <laughs> All right, fair enough. We've got two Vanda Castiles here on our best college tennis player of the 2023 season. Well, Quinn, really appreciate you coming on the show today. It's been really great watching your rapid rise over the summer. And um, congrats again on all of the results and good luck this upcoming season. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, thanks again for having me and uh, look forward to seeing you around. 